Well, you guys ready to get in the word a little bit this morning? You know, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about freedom from sickness, disease, and pain. One aspect of laying hold of your healing, and I, want, I really want to focus on that. I, I was thinking I was going to go into a different way. You know, uh, we, we've been talking about our confession. Uh, we, in past weeks, I want to encourage you to go back. These other six messages will help you about heal, how healing is part of the atonement how Jesus actually bore your sickness, carried your pain so you don't have to. This message will apply, like all the others, to everything in your life. If, if right now you're healthy, you're not dealing with sickness or disease in any way, you probably know somebody who is. These messages will teach you how to minister the healing power of God to others. It'll also teach you how to walk in divine health, and that's what God really wants for all of us. But it'll also, these principles of faith will help you lay hold of whatever you're facing right now. If it's not healing and maybe it's finances, maybe it's just restoration, who knows what you're going through. Well, I, who knows? I know who. God knows what you're, who you're going, what you're going through. So let's get into this today. I really want to talk about, and I want to focus on one scripture here, about six verses in Ephesians, and we're going to really kind of really dive into this but we're going to talk about our authority in Christ, the authority that we have. To lay hold of all the blessings of God, you have to understand where you are seated, okay? You have to understand that you have been given authority, delegated authority in the name of Jesus. And because, see, these blessings of God are already yours, and there's an enemy that's going to try to distract you and get your eyes off of the Lord onto circumstances. You know, I was talking to the men Saturday about this. Listen, if you're not walking, if you're not walking by faith, if you're, if you're living out of, your, out of your flesh, what will start happening to you is you will start looking at the circumstances and symptoms in your life and you will start having them interpret God's word. And we can't do that. How many people have you run into? Well, no, God can't. God didn't provide healing for anybody, everybody because, you know, I had this one lady and a grandmother or my mom or something that loved God with all of her heart and she didn't get healed, right? What, what, is, what is that statement defining? That person is taking a circumstance or a situation and they're using that outward thing to interpret the word of God. But when you walk by faith, you will start literally having the word of God be what interprets your circumstance and your situation. So when you get a bad report from a doctor, you receive that. Okay, great. That's what the natural says, right? But you interpret that through the word of God, which says, by his stripes you were healed. So there's no terminal cases, right? That all things are possible to him who believes, and you know how to lay hold of things by faith. So that's what we want. We, to not, we're not fighting for a victory, we're fighting from a position of victory. You already are victorious, right? He already made you free. He didn't just set you free, because if you were set free, you could be captured again. But when he makes you free, nothing can captive, capture you again, right? So let's get into this, and let's talk about this a little bit. 
the book of Ephesians, right? The book of Ephesians, and, and you could go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. The book of Ephesians, this is a letter that Paul wrote. It's, it's written to all, all generations of the church, okay? And, and Paul is literally under the unction of the Holy Spirit penning this letter, and he's stepping back, and he's giving us a big view of God's plan in the book of Ephesians. So as you read Ephesians, realize this is like stepping back and you're getting an aerial view of God's plan for man, okay? So what he has done and also what he's going to do. That's the book of Ephesians. So in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses 1 through 14, that's just one long run-on sentence, right? And Paul talks about God's plan of redemption. Here's a couple things that's showcased here. We're not going to read those verses. You can do that later if you'd like. That we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. Isn't that amazing? That every human being was chosen by God. Wow, everyone. That's why he died for everyone's sins. Now, not everyone will choose him, you see, but he still chose them. But those of us who chose him and invited him to be our Lord, wow, you need to know you're chosen of God. You need to know, number two, it goes on to say that you and I have been accepted in the beloved. You're accepted. That's huge. A lot of people don't realize that. They live their life thinking, I, I just don't deserve. I, I, no, no, God accepted you, right? Number three, that we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of them. Every natural blessing that you see, the root of it is an unseen spiritual blessing. So in other words, God has already given you all the spiritual roots to produce all of the natural fruit in your life. You've been blessed with all of it. Which means, don't go to God and say, Father, will you please bless me? Because he's going to be like, already did. And down on the inside, the Holy Spirit's going to try to be, hey, hey, let's stop talking Get in the book. Find out. You've already been blessed, right? Another thing, he identifies that this was all because God wanted to. Why did God do all of this? Because he loves you. That's why he did it. He didn't do it because he needed us to feel good about himself. The Bible says he is self-sufficient. In his presence, is fullness of joy. Amen. He chose to love us. Isn't that amazing? In other words, you got to hear this. All that God did for us, all of it, had nothing to do with us earning it or us deserving it. Okay, this is Bible that we're talking about. Ephesians talks to us about God's great plan of redemption. So, verse 15, let's look, let's look at this. Now, as we read this, 
verses 15 through 23, as we read these verses, realize that this is a prayer of supplication that Paul prayed for people. Okay? He prayed for what class of people? Look at this, verse 15. Wherefore I also, after I heard, after, so he's praying this for certain people. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all the saints. So he's praying this constantly for people who are walking by faith and who are walking in love towards all the saints. He's not praying this for all, all believers. Isn't that interesting? Why? See, the prayer of supplication is one of the nine prayers in the New Testament that's outlined, right? And it's a prayer that helps a believer to lay hold of the plan of God for their life. If a believer is just living out of their flesh, they're not walking by faith, they're not walking in love, there's no reason to pray for them to lay hold of the plan of God for their life because they're not interested. God would have to force them, and he doesn't force. But boy, I'll tell you, now, does this mean, okay, if I'm not, I gotta be perfect in walking in faith and walk? No, 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 no. No, you just... You, you, you make a decision. I'm going to walk by the faith of God. I make a decision. I'm going to walk. I'm going to love my brothers and sisters unconditionally. Right? And, and notice how it said all the saints. All of them. I mean, love the saints would have been good because you could go, oh my gosh, you know, it's really easy for me to love these guys. Really simple, right? Really easy. I enjoy it right? But maybe there's some saints in your life that maybe slapped you a little bit, right? Maybe, maybe did some things wrong. Maybe, maybe you did business with this one saint and you did business because there was a little fish on his business card and you found out later that was not really a fish. It was a great white shark, <laughs> right? And you're like, and it bit you, right? But this is what Paul prayed for these people so that they could lay hold of what God has already given them. So we're going to break this down. Verse 15 through verse 23. I've all, I only have 16 pages of notes on this. So, uh, but we're going to get into just exactly what God wants us to. So verse, verse 16. Well, I'll start in verse 15 again. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, I cease not. This is something Paul prayed all the time. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul prayed this prayer consistently for believers. This prayer was to help them lay hold of the plan of God for their life. Here's the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom. 
the wisdom of God, it comes out of the revealed will of God. So in other words, as I take the word of God and as I put it first place in my life, as I, as I literally give it my undivided attention, I keep it ever before my eyes, I don't let it depart out of my mouth, I keep it in the midst of my heart, right? As I do that, what happens is as I meditate in the word of God, what happens now is the Holy Spirit opens the word on the inside of me and the wisdom of God comes out. The wisdom of God now will literally equip me and show me exactly how to apply the word of God in my individual situation. That's what the wisdom of God does. It helps us apply the word of God to our lives. Only the revealed word, right? The word has to be opened. That's why you gotta, you gotta meditate in the word. You gotta say it over and over and over and over. So we see in the word of God that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, okay? So the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the honor, and respect of him above everything else in life is, the, is literally the beginning of wisdom. If you're taking notes, we're not going to go to those scriptures, but in Psalm 110, or I'm sorry, Psalm 111, verse 10, it says that. Also in Proverbs chapter 9, in verse 10, it says that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that cool? Yes. When you make a decision to reverence, honor, and respect God above everything else, and reverencing and honoring and respecting God is reverencing, honoring, and respecting his word. When you do that, when you make that decision, do you have to know how to do that? Nope. The Holy Spirit will lead you, right? But the minute you make that decision, it's like it's the, it's the beginning. It's the doorway into the wisdom of God. So now, when I have that heart attitude about God's word, when I read it and meditate in it, man, the Holy Spirit's able to just open it up and the wisdom of God comes out. The fear of the Lord is so important. The reverencing, the honoring, and respecting God above everything else in life. What does that look like? When you go home, and, and after a long day, and you're tired, and you're going home, you're just minding your own business, you're driving down Dodge, and somebody just cuts you off right? Or, or you get an email from somebody that really ticks you off. We're going to find out who you reverence and honor and respect. You're going to find out, do you reverence, honor, and respect yourself and your feelings above everything else in your life? You'll know by what comes out of your mouth, right? Or, or do you grab yourself and go, no, I'm not going there. You can't fake this. If the word's not in abundance in your heart, you're going to go a wrong direction. If you go a wrong direction, this is what you do. Stop yourself, because you'll immediately feel inner turmoil and go, hold on a second. Father, I curse those words. 
I reverence, I honor, I respect you above everything else in life. I spoke wrongly. Bless that person. Right? That's how you recover from that. Your soul, realize this, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions is connected to your spirit. Right? There should be a constant flow from your spirit of revelation knowledge. It should constantly be washing over your, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Constant renovation. Have you ever tried to clean something? Like you have this dish, and you know, it's got some stuff caked on it, it's got some crevices in it. You know, is it, is it fun if you just have the, the water dripping out of the faucet? Or even you turn it on really hard for like two seconds, and then you turn it off, and then you just... No, wouldn't it work better if you just keep the water on it? That's what God wants for you. He wants there to be a constant flow of revelation, knowledge of his word. So there's a constant flow of wisdom. So as you're going through life at 90 miles an hour, you are still being led by the wisdom of God. Right? Paul is praying. Now, now you got to get this because this is where people kind of miss this because we skim this. Paul is praying that the knowledge of God that you already have in your spirit may explode in your mind so you can see it. That's what this verse is saying. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the revelation knowledge that you already have in your heart. But pastor, I haven't been in the word. Then get in the word. Change that today. But pastor, I've just been blowing it forever. Okay, great. His mercy's new every morning. His grace is available. Just change. We call that repent. Do you know, you know what causes you to change? Because man, I'm telling you, I go to church on Sunday and pastor's like, listen, I'm going to hit you upside the head with the Bible if you don't get your... No, it's the goodness of God. When you realize how good he is, that he loves you, that his love for you does never, it never wanes when you're in the wrong place, right? It stays the same. Make those decisions. Revelation comes after you have meditated in God's word over and over. So how do I walk this out? I'm meditating in this word, right? There's revelation knowledge of this word. Do you know every one of you sitting here have revelation knowledge of, of the word of God in your heart of some sort? If nothing else, it might just be, I know I'm born again. I know I'm his child, right? But whatever that is, God is God's word is telling us, this prayer is, Lord, Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in that knowledge of you. Look at this. In the knowledge of you, the Holy Spirit is the agent of divine revelation. That's why it's amazing how there are churches or Christians that want to put the Holy Spirit in the back room. Wow. No, 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 no. He's in the front row, right in the front seat. He is, he's leading this thing right now. I could, I mean, I don't, I could sense him in my life. 
Look at this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's look at this word knowledge. Knowledge, revelation knowledge, is something you gain from God's word. Do you know God's word never, not ever, tells us to ask him for knowledge? Never tells us that. Never, never tells us to ask him. Gaining knowledge is our part and our responsibility. God, God, God just tells you, meditate in my word. Isn't that, that's interesting, right? Because this is the way most Christians think. Well, I don't, I don't really know what to do, so I, I need knowledge, right? God, I, I have these financial decisions to make, and I get so focused on these natural decisions, and God's over here going, what you need is a revelation of who I am, and it will show you what to do there, right? Gaining knowledge is our part, our responsibility. You and I are to know what the Bible says about our situation. And this is why we need each other. Right? Because I'm telling you, this is what happens. See, God, as you walk with him, he will reveal himself to you. As you meditate in the word of God, he reveals himself to you. Right? Revelation knowledge comes. The wisdom of God is there. And then you progress and you walk by faith. And as you walk by faith through life, and, and, and all these things that come against you, you see them changed. All of a sudden, you lay hold of your healing, and now the tumor's gone. The infection is gone. Well, guess what? You just manifested some fruit there. And this is what God wants you to do. When you understand everything is about seed time and harvest, you should be taking notes when Pastor Dave gets up and talking, because he gets up and talk because he's talking a lot more than a lot more than just about money. Every way the Holy Spirit will lead you is seed time and harvest. He wants to bear fruit in your life, and then he will send you and send others to you so that you could give them your fruit. When you learn how to, how to walk in financial prosperity with God, he will send people who, have a, who need to walk in financial prosperity. And what do you do? Will you give in their life? You could. The Holy Spirit could lead you to do that. But what you're going to really do is give them your fruit. Your fruit is, let me show you how to believe God financially. Why? So that you can gain knowledge. Right? And then, with that knowledge, see, knowledge puffs up. But what happens when, the wisdom, when he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, now it causes you to see what the word is saying. This is not talking about personal knowledge. It's not talking about personal facts or personal things. Forget about all that. If you're in deep financial trouble today, you, need a, you don't need more money because if you don't know him as your provider, that'll go away. You, get, you, you, might, you might put a Band-Aid on something. Wow, I need $1,000 and I got it. Praise God. The pressure's off. And then all of a sudden, it's the first of next month. 
but you still haven't learned how to trust God yet. But when you get a revelation that he's your provider, you could have nothing and be happy. Because why? Because you know you're not always going to have nothing. And now you know, I, he's my source. He will take care of me. Now you're walking in the freedom that, that he's made you free. This is talking about personal knowledge of God, not the facts. This is where so many people are missing it. Because when a circumstance is speaking to you, you get up to here with that. You're always, the Satan's always wanting you to think about it, right? You start to play videos in your mind about what's going to happen if this doesn't happen and that, and, and then fear is there and, it, and all this stuff's going on. But when you forget all that and you're like, okay, Father, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. Reveal him to me. Right? That's where it all starts. That's what this is talking about here. The only way to personally know God, to gain personal knowledge of God, is through his word. It's the only way. Everything, see, I mean, if you think about it, who's the revealer? The Holy Spirit. The Bible says he never says anything other than what he sees. He testifies of Jesus. Who is Jesus? John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word of God. So let's look at this again. What are we talking about? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, let's focus on this whole statement now, may give, look at this, unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You gotta know this, this prayer is not asking God to give us knowledge. Because that's where we always focus. This prayer is asking God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You already have to have the knowledge, right? Isn't that amazing? So Colossians 2.10, Colossians 2.10 says this. Hold your finger in Ephesians 1. We'll come right back. But in Colossians 2.10, it says this, and you are complete in him. This word complete literally means, and you are made full in him. You're never, the minute you got born again, you were made as full as you'll ever be. You were made full in him, which is the head of all principality and power. See, God wants you to know, you've been, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means that as the father, as, or as Jesus, when he was on the earth, he was completely full of the father. In the same way, you and I are completely full of the Spirit of Christ. We have everything. That's why Satan works overtime on trying to tell you you're this low life, you're a failure, you, you never, you know, you're not in the Word enough, you're not this, you're not that. 
And that's why step number one in all this stuff, every week, every message I preach, step number one, you got to give yourself a break because God gave you a break, right? See, as an example, recognizing when I gain knowledge that I made full in him, recognizing this literally will keep me safe from deception. You know, you always hear about this stupid doctrines going around here. They, the, the names change, but it's all, it's all the same. And people chase these things. Baby Christians get, get blown away by this wind of doctrine or that wind of doctrine. All that deception goes away when you have revelation knowledge that you are full of him. If you're full of him, another thing it does is that it satisfies you so you won't look to the world to be satisfied anymore. That'll change your behavior. See, this is an example of what we're talking about here. So know that. So let's jump back to Ephesians. 118. Right? So let's, let's read this again. Let's go back. Let's go back to 16. Got to read it in context. He ceases not to give thanks, making mention of you in his, in, in his prayers. What's the prayer? Next verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look at this now. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is the Greek word photizo. It means a brilliancy of light. It means illumination. Have you ever walked into a room and it was dark and you flipped a light switch on and all of a sudden you see everything? That is what happens. When God gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, you already have the knowledge, but when he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, now what happens? The eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding, that's talking about your spirit and your soul, being enlightened, it's illuminated, it's a shining. Now, what happens now that you know three things? The hope of your calling. What is that? That's God's plan for your life. So do you see why Satan hates it when you read the Bible? Because, because he doesn't want you to ever gain any kind of knowledge of God. Because then if you run into something like a faith family church and you start to hear, wait a minute, what God wants to do is take that knowledge and give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that the eyes of your understanding are flooded with light and all of a sudden now you start to see your future. You, down on the inside of you, because see, your future's not in front of you as a Christian. It's inside of you. So now you start to see it. The hope, hope is future of your calling. Number two, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You start to know the riches of the glory of your inheritance that you've been given. See, don't, your inheritance is great. Healing is great. The glory that comes out of it is more great. 
The financial blessing is great. But the glory that comes out of your life as God moves, because see, you really, even you might be sitting here totally self-centered because you're just living in your flesh. But if you just make a little adjustment and the real you is here for a purpose, you're here for others, you're here to be light, and that glory will come out of you and affect everybody. We are to go from glory to glory by the spirit of the living God. Do you see how it all fits? Number three, verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? In other words, not only do I see the plan of God for my life, now I don't see the whole thing, I just see the next step. But as I step into it, I see further. Then I step into it, I see further, right? Then I understand, wow, there is this incredible, the riches, the inexhaustible supply of glory that will flow out of my life as I just simply walk in the blessing of God and the incredible power that when I believe the word of God and I speak the word of God, I see it. I see the power that is released to make that word come to pass. The incredible power that is pointed at me as I believe God's word. Right? You need to wake your eye, open your eyes in the morning, and, and if Satan's ever, or if he's messing with you at night, jump out of your bed and go, listen. I hate to be you because I believe and I will see. I know the power that's behind this. It's not me, it's him. You know him, right? He's the one who cast you out of heaven. You still have that lump on your head. Pre-Adamic loser, right? I have to yell because you're so far under my feet. Oh, I feel like you're all over me, but no, 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 I know. I know, and now I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to apply the knowledge so now I can walk this thing out. So good according to the working of his mighty power. Wow. See, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know three things again. God's plan for your life, the inheritance you have in Christ, and the power that is pointed towards you as you believe God's word. These three things are the most important things that you could know as a believer. And God wants you to know them he wants you to have revelation knowledge right at the forefront of your life. These three things deal with past, present, and future. Your whole existence. Really, the hope of, the hope of his calling. God's plan for your life. That's future. The hope of his calling. God's invitation to man to accept the benefits of his salvation. That's what God's doing right now. He's reaching out his hand, and he wants to do that through us. We are the body of Christ. He wants to, he wants to reach through your life and give men an, an invitation to accept the benefits of his salvation. We are called to do this. Wow. If God wants you to know the future in one area... He wants you to know the future in every area. And the word of God will shine a light and show you. 
if you have a situation, you have a situation and your kids are, are, are just blowing it, he wants you to know God's plan. He wants you to see that that is not the end result. That you can see, you could smile, stop when they come home or when you talk to them, stop telling them what to do. Stop trying to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. You just keep praying. You just keep letting God get in their life. Right? But you could be at peace. They could be on the phone. Like today, you know how many fathers are not going to get a call from their kids? Right? And if that's you, you could smile and say, my son, my daughter loves me. We're going to have a great relationship. And, and I don't care where they are, God will go to work. Because it's God's plan for your life. Hope is future. Paul's letters spoke a lot about Jesus coming back. We speak about that a lot here. God prompts me all the time. God wants us to have hope for our future. Hope, according to Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 19, hope is an anchor for our soul. See, if you get discouraged, Satan loves that because now you're one step closer. But he, does, he won't stop at discouragement. See, discouragement is, can I say this in church? My life sucks in this area. But that's not enough for him. He wants to get you in despair. He wants to move you further into it to where now despair is, my life sucks and my life will always suck. I can't believe he's having me say suck, but you know, <laughs> this is for somebody right now, right? Because when you get in that, guess, guess who lives in that realm? The spirit of suicide. Hey, you might as well just end it, right? It's better for you not to even be on the planet, right? Interesting, interesting. You know, I, I was steeped in worthlessness. I didn't even know it, right? I would walk around. The Lord showed me this in a moment of time. All through growing up in high school, and especially even after high school, right, right before I got into the things of God in a big way, I would always say this, the world would be a better place had I never been born. I didn't even realize I said that. Do you know suicide lives in that realm? And I never dealt with the spirit of suicide. Not once. I can't wait to get to heaven because I'll guarantee you there's believers that I'm going to see them and I'm going to go, hey, right? You prayed for me. You prayed against that because I never had to deal with that. I'm so grateful to the Lord, right? See, so many people are worried about their future. God does not want you concerned about your future. He wants you to know your future, Right? Paul is praying this prayer that we may know our future. Isn't that awesome? Jeremiah chapter 29 in verse 11, it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts. That word thoughts in this verse means plans and purposes. For I know the plans and purposes that I purpose towards you, saith the Lord. They are planned, and, and where it says towards you, it, this, is, this is the Hebrew, 
that I purpose over you. I just love that. He's a good father. Saith the Lord, their plans and purposes of peace. Do you realize he spoke this to the children of Israel when they were in Babylonian captivity? They were slaves. Even when they were slaves, God wanted them to not let their slavery or their captivity stop them from enjoying life, right? And walking out God's plan and purpose for their life. It's interesting. Their plans of peace, not of evil. Well, you know, God heals some and not others, and God's using this sickness to teach me something. You know, yuck. Why is it yuck? Because it's not in the Bible. God doesn't have any plans of evil for you. And to give you an expected end. Wow. Plans of peace. This is the Hebrew word shalom. It means prosperity, favor, health, wholeness. It means safety, man, well-being. See, the Holy Spirit, in John 16, 13, Jesus said when the Spirit of truth has come, he will do what? He'll show you things to come. God wants us prepared for the future. He wants us prepared for the rapture of the church. Right? He wants us, he wants us to be doing his will. Look, I mean, I'm looking. As I'm walking out God's plan for my life, I'm like this. I'm, I'm ready to hear a shofar say, come up here, right? Skydiving. I don't understand it. I like reverse skydiving. Rapture. I'm going to do that one. So the question is, what are you called to do? What is the end of the calling on your life? When you, when you know these things, when you see them from God's word, it keeps you from worrying. Why are you worried today? Because you're just not seeing. You're not seeing your future. Don't beat yourself up for worrying. Well, you know, I'm just a worrier. No, you're not. You're not a worrier. That's your flesh. But if you'll let the word do the work, you won't worry anymore. Because you know your future's secure. Why is it so hard for people to find out what God has called them to do? This is why. You want to know why? Because people don't spend time with God. They don't spend enough time with God and in his word to ever have it opened up. That's the only reason. People don't spend time in prayer the way they should. That's, that's it. See, this is why we have more access to the word today than ever, but our we're facing more than any other generation of the church because we have life at 9 million miles an hour. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit, he can do life at the speed of light. So he could slow everything down, right? Boy, there's so much revelation there. You know, they know now that as you go at the speed of light, time slows down. Do you know God lives outside of time? Do you know spending time with God will slow everything down in your life? So that in the midst of chaos, it's just, right? Could you imagine if you were in a fight? I remember when Mike Tyson, they put a camera in front of him, and he started boxing. 
you couldn't even see the punches. I mean, it was so fast. But could you imagine if, if the guy in our church who fought him, Henry Tillman, if Henry could have slowed that all down and Mike throws a left hook, and it, but, it's, but it's not going 900 miles an hour. It's just like, Henry'd be like, bam, right? If everything was slowed down, this is what would happen to you. It's what it says in Ephesians, that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. You see him coming, that you would be able to survey the battlefield. It's like, oh, look, he's coming. He's going to do this. And then you have three or four scriptures you're meditating in, you got revelation knowledge of, and you start praying this prayer over your own life. Father, I thank you today that you have given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in all this knowledge that I have of you. So that the eyes of my understanding, they are flooded with light. And I know, I know your plan for my life. I know the riches of the glory of the inheritance. And oh my gosh, the glory that's going to come off what you do in my life, many are going to come to know Christ. And the incredible power, when I say in the name of Jesus, the incredible power of God that comes right on the scene, I know it. See, that's what we're talking about. I love that. Number two, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints. See, this is present tense. Your inheritance. He wants you to know that you have an inheritance. And it's rich in glory. It produces a lot more than just taking care of your natural need. Present tense inheritance, why? Because of the past tense work of Jesus, okay? You have an inheritance in Jesus, redemption, the remission of sins, healing, well-being, prosperity. We could go on and on. Freedom from fear, right? Freedom from depression, anxiety, authority that we have been given in Christ. There are also specific parts of our inheritance for us as individuals that differ between person to person. When you get in a situation, God has specific parts of that inheritance for you. Not only overall healing for the body of Christ, but he'll fix your knee. He'll fix your back, right? He'll fix your sinuses. He'll cleanse your blood. You might, you might need a new liver, right? You might need some new lungs. Whatever it is, specific. Things pertaining, these other specific parts are this. Things pertaining to God's call on your life, God's plan for your life, God's purpose for your life. It's very individual. Success brings you to a place where you are satisfied inwardly. Okay? Why? Because you know that you're doing what God has called you to do. See, people think success is money. Money will never satisfy you, right? But God wants you, does he want you to have money? Absolutely. But see, he wants you satisfied because you know I'm a success 
because I know I'm doing what God's called me to do. I know that the Holy Spirit of God always makes sure I'm in the right place at the right time with the right heart doing the right thing. Yeah, but Tony, it doesn't seem like it on the outside. I don't care. The outside changes. It's smoke and mirrors. But if you keep saying, Father, I thank you that you, you, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. You anoint my head with oil so my cup overflows. I see all this stuff, right? I love this. Success is doing what God has created you to do. And he wants you to see it. So never chase money. The Bible says if you chase it, it's full of toil. Follow God and money will overtake you. But money will never control you. Because you'll know you have the endless supply. So let's talk about the riches of the glory. Riches. That would include riches, wealth, goods, glory. This is talking about honor, due, or rendered. This is the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to bless you, make your name great, so that you can be a blessing. Right? I had somebody come up to me the other day and talk to me about, you know, I just don't agree with that prosperity stuff. Because I'm not materialistic. I don't need much. Right? I'm like, okay, so you're not materialistic, but you are selfish, right? Because you're just here for you. And, and guess what? There's nothing about the plan of God that's just all about you as far as your focus. Now, God's focus, he loves, he loves harvesting into your life, but he can't do that if you're all about you. Does that, does that make sense? God wants you to, to really step into his plan for your life. Our inheritance, our inheritance is in us is rich in glory. It's not just for us. There is nothing that we will ever need in life that Jesus has not already provided. Do you realize that? Everything you will need your whole life on this earth, you have already been given it. You just can't see it. But it's already yours. And as you lay hold of it through faith and thank him for it, he will bring it into this realm for you. Wow. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ephesians 1, 3, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When people really develop spiritually, they look for what God already did from within. They never look from without. When you grow spiritually, you are looking for your answer for what he's done in you. You're not looking at the outside. Because the outside, this natural realm was created by the invisible realm. Oh, so many people are worried. They look at their bank book and they get worried. Don't look at that. Look at this, because that's your source. Wisdom, strength, healing, all come from within. 
right? Look at Romans 8.11. Let's pull that up real quick. Romans, keep your finger in Ephesians. Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now today, if you're a believer, he's in you right now. So, so that's you. This is talking about you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body. That means to heal, to restore to health, and to make whole your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. See, you could have knowledge of this. All of us here have knowledge of that because you've heard me say that verse so many times. But you must have a revelation of this to walk in it. You must take that knowledge and then you go to God, Father, I thank you that you would grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of this so that I can know it. So let's go to verse 19. All right, here we go. Ephesians 1:19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? Wow. According to the working of his mighty power, this says a mouthful. The power to usward that believe. Paul is praying that we would have a revelation so we can see God's inherent stored power that we have already been given, that we already have, that works according to his ruling power as the king of the universe. Let me say this again. Paul is praying that we would have a revelation so that we can see God's inherent stored power that we already have that works according to his ruling place as the king of the whole universe. He is the man, right? And, and that power that's in me works according to his ruling power. Wow. Verse 20, which he, talking about God the Father, wrought in Christ. Now he's given us an example of what this looked like. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So now in verse 20, Paul is explaining this power. The death of Jesus was the supreme, supreme, supreme expression and demonstration of God's love for mankind. Right? The resurrection of Jesus was the supreme demonstration and expression of God's power in action. So when you want to see the power that is in you that works according to his power, what's an example? Oh, only Jesus being resurrected and raised. Do you think he could pay your electric bill? Do you think maybe he could fix your foot or your heart? Absolutely, right? Wow, we must have a revelation of this. Look at this. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, 
and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come, Jesus, his name is far above and forever above. This power is ours, therefore Satan is done in our life. That's why whoever the Son has made free, past tense, is free. So I don't care how you feel. I don't care what the circumstances of your life say. When you realize you're free, I'm telling you, you put his word in your heart. You mix that with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And now you speak his word out of your mouth and it'll change everything in your life. That's for every one of us. We must have a revelation of this. Verse 22, and hath put all things under his feet. So everything, all things. You know what that means in the Greek language? All things. You guys see, you guys are Greek scholars. See, it's all things. Everything is under the feet of Jesus, and he gave him, Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church. So all things are under the feet of Jesus, and Jesus and his church are one. Wow. Jesus died for you and I so that we, through him, might change the world. Amen. Guys, in 2023, that's a powerful statement. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church. I don't care how much money they think they have. I don't care how many people have been bought off. I don't care what's happening. When we rise up and wake up to righteousness and stand in our authority, the one who has ultimate power, right? He died for us so that we, through him, would change the world. Starting with your life. Oh, I love that. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. See, if, if everything is under the feet of Jesus and you're the body of Christ, then everything is under you. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he transferred all of his authority to the church, which is his body. We have been given authority in the name of Jesus and power by the Spirit of God. Jesus' authority, though, must be perpetuated through his body into the earth. And this is why you don't have time to be playing with the stupid things of the world. Right? The, the, you know, this is why the grace of God, it empowers you to walk holy. Don't play with this nonsense in the world. It's not worth it. It all leads to death. I love that. Hallelujah. Well, man, before I start preaching, I better stop. Hallelujah. You know, there's so much more we could say here, and we will as the Lord leads us. Isn't that good, guys? Man, I'm telling you, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to this again. Get our app, listen to this message, meditate on these scriptures, make them yours, because when you start to walk in the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, you'll never have a problem reading the Bible again. The reason why Christians don't read the Bible is because they just read it. And it helps you. It helps you to read it. It'll help you a little bit. But man, when you learn how to read it and then let the Spirit of God infuse it with wisdom and revelation, now you could apply it to your life. You start seeing things. 
It empowers you. It's awesome.